Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Welcome to the Mom Link, where we're going to have a special room today, um, and it's called We've Got a Narcissist in the Family Help. And I, it is my privilege to be here with uh, these ladies today and to be able to ask them these questions. But welcome, everybody. So first, I'm going to uh, go ahead and have Sally introduce herself, and then we'll go to Nikki and Vanessa. All right, Sally, who are you? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you so much for this space, Christine. I'm so excited to be here with these beautiful souls. Um, my name's Sally. I'm a transformation coach empowering women to thrive after narcissistic abuse. I was in a marriage to a narcissist for 20 years, didn't realize what it was uh, until five years before I filed for divorce. And I say over those five years, figuring out everything, the fog lifted, um, I was slowly letting go. I realized there was... Um, no changing someone who didn't feel they needed to change. So I filed for divorce in January of 2020 and the divorce was finalized June of 2021. Um, living peacefully now, I have two kids, a 13 year old son, 10 year old daughter, and um, just enjoying life now. So I so appreciate this conversation and I'm looking forward to um, everyone showing up and being here and supporting. Nikki, I'll pass it to you, thank you. Thanks, Sally. Thanks, Christina, for inviting us and uh, bringing us together for this awesome room and topic. You know, so many times on Clubhouse, we see the topics around narcissism a lot, but I always say, even though it may seem redundant for others, there's always someone who's in need of knowing about narcissism, narcissistic families, partnerships, things of that nature. And so I always get excited to be able to help empower and educate people on uh, narcissism and how to find life after it. Um, but a little bit about me, I am a certified trauma recovery coach come the end of April um, with an organization called the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaches. And my area um, that I help survivors is in the area of narcissistic abuse, spiritual abuse, and cult involvement. I am a survivor of all three of those areas. I come from a narcissistic family background, um, found myself after coming out of that and uh, adulting, so to speak, um, gravitated to many narcissists in my life, friends, employers, things of that nature. The only area I did not hit is a narcissistic partner. I think the universe said, okay, enough is enough. <laughs> um, but then I, I kept gravitating to that energy and hopefully we'll, we'll tap into that later on today. But I found myself involved in multiple cults, uh, religious cults um, with narcissistic leaders. So um, took a long hallway down uh, healing paths and started working on recovery. Never thought I would find myself doing this, but I really enjoy helping survivors know that they're not alone, to know this is not their fault, to know that there is hope and freedom and optimism coming out of all of that darkness. And um, I help clients uh, to do just that. Um, I'm also part of an organization called Tears of Eden, which uh, specifically helps people who've come out of evangelical cults 
and uh, experience religious abuse. So um, that's my commercial, and I'm so glad to be here. I'll pass the mic to Vanessa. Hello, ladies um, and ladies and gentlemen. Christina, thank you so much for having us and bringing us all together um, tonight. As Nikki said and, and Sally, this is an important, important um, topic to be educated on uh, narcissistic abuse, toxicity. Uh, so many people, whether they've been through it or not, um, need to learn about it. They need to be educated because if they do have a friend, a family member, um, you know, a partner that's been through it, they need, you know, the need to understand where this person has been and the shoes that they've walked in is so important to help them and get them to the next, you know, um, the next version of, of their life and get them through the, the journey. Um, my name is Vanessa Moretto. For those of you who don't know me, I am a certified life and relationship coach. Um, I was married to a narcissist over 14 years ago. I didn't even know what a narcissist was or a narcissistic abuse was um, until my divorce when um, I had him psychologically evaluated. We had a child together. So I needed to understand who am I dealing with? And when I got the diagnosis of a narcissist with antisocial tendencies, I had no idea what it was, but it was a start of one crazy, painful, lonely journey because nobody I knew had any idea about what was what it meant, what it was. Um, and I kind of did trial and error to figure out to figure out um, what you know what was going on and how am I going to maneuver this? And I had a three year old. And in the midst of it all, um, during my marriage, I was diagnosed with cancer. So I had a lot of things going on um, and it, I needed to figure out what the best way for me to um, lead through this journey was. And it was really only trial and error and educating myself and, and you know, figuring out what was gonna work best. So when I decided that I was going to life coach and help people, um, you know, with their mindset, growth mindset and, and, you know, their life and their relationships, I didn't realize so many people were in toxic relationships or were in narcissistic abusive relationships until I actually decided to become a certified life coach and, and do this for, for a living. And I said to myself, I need to focus on this because this is something that everything I've learned over the past 13, 14 years is something that I, you know, I can help my clients, you know, plan, whether it's through their divorces, whether it's co-parenting, you know, with their family members, like, you know, tr trying to set boundaries, getting them into a good place in relationship with themselves so that they can put those boundaries in place with the people in their life. And it's hard to put those boundaries in place when you already have an established relationship. It's a lot harder than to start from square one. So um, I just, this is my mission. It's my passion. I love to hear when, you know, I can, you know, sit down and, and, and speak with my clients and come up with a game plan for court, for dealing with, you know, a partner or dealing with a parent, dealing with, you know, whatever they're going through. It's just, it's power. Knowledge is power. And the more knowledge you have and the more you hear it from other people, you know, like we always say, we believe you, we hear you, you're not alone. You know, sometimes we think we're going crazy. Like, are we crazy? The situation is crazy. It's a nightmare and it, no one should have to deal with it. And, you know, I feel like coming together as a community, knowing, you know, sharing stories, being there, educating, it 
really makes a big difference for people to heal and see what really is in front of them, give them clarity. It gives them the courage to move on. Um, so I just like to be, you know, a beam of light and, and be that hope for someone who thinks that, you know what, I'm never going to get to the other end because I was there and I'm, you know, and, and, and with Sally and, you know, uh, Nikki, we do a lot of um, things together. We were all there, but you know what? We're now in a great place where we're thriving and we're helping others and everyone will get there and your timing is your own time. So I'm so happy to be here tonight. Um, like I always say, if you ever, ever have any questions or need to contact me, please follow me on Instagram, send me DMs, even if you need somebody to speak to, because you know what? You always have someone. Don't ever feel alone. I'm Vanessa and I'm done speaking. Thank you ladies for being here. If you haven't already, you definitely need to follow these girls. If um, you need that extra resource, that support, they're great resources and that's why they're here and that's why I asked them to be here. My name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent. I actually help parents of school-age children turn their chaos into connection with their kids. So I'm helping parents and families make connections, help and do things like that. And one of the things, uh, one of the ways I do that is through my app, which you'll see above my head here. Um, there's a link to get to that app. It's um, a free download available on Apple and Android. I could talk about it more, but I won't because I don't want to focus on my app today. Today, I want to focus on how to help parents when they feel like they're stuck with a narcissistic partner or someone in the family who's influencing them that might be narcissistic. Because you can't be your best self as a parent and you cannot be uh, giving yourself to your children when you are struggling like this. And so as part of being an impactful parent, I wanted to open up this space um, to be able to give parents who feel this way, these resources, these women, um, and this advice so that you may become a more impactful parent, which is exactly what I'm all about. So I'm so excited that you guys are here. And um, so lady, I'm gonna be asking you several questions today about um, narcissism and your experiences. I do not want you to feel like every person needs to answer every single one of my questions because actually it's probably even not even necessary. So you guys can just take turns, uh, see who on mics who would like to answer that question. And certainly all of you can, but uh, for some of the questions, it's probably not so necessary. So I'll, I'll let you guys uh, take turns with that. <clears throat> and if you have a question, if you're listening in the audience um, as we are live on Clubhouse right now, um, then Go ahead and you can put something into the chat and we can answer it there or you can raise your hand. Um, however, uh, just keep in mind that uh, we have lots of content that we're trying to cover today. So uh, just be patient with me in bringing you up onto the stage. And let's get started. I'm so excited. We're gonna start kind of easy. Um, the first thing, first things first, ladies, what are some of the warning signs that I'm in a relationship with a narcissist because I think that's like one of the first things we need to get out of the way. A lot of people are questioning, is my partner a narcissist? Oh, I'll go on that one. Um, I'll give I'll give one telltale sign um, that looking back, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Um, do they do they let you shine? That is huge. Um, it's all about them. And you'll see that even your 
big wins, they downplay, and you know, you're not celebrated. So if they can share the spotlight with you, I'd say that's a huge sign that it's going to be pretty okay. But um, you can tell, you can point that out in the beginning. So with that, I'm going to let the other ladies speak. Thank you so much. I'm going to just add to that. Um, what goes with that is also uh, narcissists are great at, in the beginning, making you feel like you're the only person in the world. Sometimes it's overbearing and a little bit um, awkward. And you think, how could this person be so into me so quickly? They don't even know me. Um, but that's red flag number one. And then what goes with that is that tearing you down. If someone doesn't build you up and doesn't support you, kind of like towards what Sally said, um, you know, they do, if, if someone makes you feel uncomfortable or second guess yourself or doesn't make you feel amazing, that's a, that's a warning sign because where there's love, there is no tearing somebody down, making them feel bad about themselves, you know, making them second guess or question themselves. And like I always said, wherever there's toxicity, there's no love. So, um, you know, if you have, if you feel that someone's there and they're not supporting you and they're making you feel bad about yourself or cutting you down or, or shooting you down or making fun of you or making you feel less than that is a big, big warning sign. I guess what I can add to that, um, because narcs have the copy and paste type of uh, way that they um, move out in relationships, whether it's family, cults, uh, uh, group dynamics, uh, and uh, romantic partnerships, friendships, um, you start to realize that you are not who you were before you met them. There's an erasing of who you are. There's a erasing of your personality. And one of the biggest things I would say there's a lot and lots and lots of confusion and the reason why is because of um after usually after the love bombing stage that that transition between love bombing and discarding in the middle is that phase of the gaslighting and the eroding of your 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 reality so a result of that is you feel confused you're like i know the sky is blue why are they telling me it's brown it's blue and then a month later, you're considering, well, maybe it is brown. And then maybe another month later, you're like, you know what? It's probably brown because I'm just not as smart as they are. I'm not that um, intelligent as they are or see things the way they see. I know I have these wounds. I've been through childhood traumas too. So maybe I'm going to defer to their wisdom and I'm going to say the sky is brown now. And so there's an eroding of how you see life, how you see yourself especially, and you find yourself confused most of the time when you're with them. And even when you're not with them, that ruminating over and over again, second guessing yourself, even when you're not with them, did I make the right decision? You know, when he said that, I, did I say that? Well, should I have said that? It's so much confusion. You don't know who you are anymore. So I'll stop right there. And the next question I have for you guys is a lot of people are asking if they are in that kind of relationship, 
why me? Why is this happening to me? So my question for you ladies is, how do narcissists choose their targets? And whether that's um, a technical issue that you guys already know and you can just tell me or your personal uh, story of why you think that narcissist uh, picked you to, to cling on to. I'm just going to yes. jump in here. Yes, oh, I was going to say Vanessa has a great one. Go ahead, Vanessa. Um, you know, this this is something I always explain because it's it's so true because we always say how come the narcissist how come I attract narcissists? And it's not that. What happens is everybody comes in contact with toxic people and narcissists every single day. The narcissists latch onto the people who don't have healthy, good relationships with themselves, themselves and do not have boundaries in place. If you do not have boundaries in place, it's a welcoming door for any narcissist or toxic person because they will stick around and you, it's like a playground for them. Um, you know, they, they, they'll get away with everything because here you are, you don't have boundaries. You don't realize your worth. You don't realize how you deserve to be treated. So I always say like the relationship with yourself is the most important relationship to, to really, you know, work on and make healthy and put your boundaries in place. Because once you have your boundaries in place, they don't, they don't like boundaries. They will not stick around. It's not easy for them. It's not something that they, they want to be around when there's boundaries in place, because now they, they have you know, it, it's tough. It's like, it's like a barrier. Like, how am I going to get into this person? So that's, that's something I always explain because it's, I think one of the most important things for people to realize it's not that you attract them and you're going to attract them for the rest of your life. You have to do the, you have to do the work on yourself and get to a good place and set those boundaries so that the next time you do come in contact with one, they're going to walk away they're not they're not going to stay there and put in the extra work for it and if you just came into the room we are talking about uh narcissism and if you have a narcissist and trying to give you support and ideas uh for what you can do so that you can be a more impactful parent or at least just you know be in a better place in your own home so if there's somebody else that you know would like to be a part of this conversation, please share the room down below so that we can get some people in here because we're just getting started with some of these great questions. And so my next question for you guys is, do, do you think that narcissists know what they're doing then? I mean, is, was it obvious to you? Oh yes, they do. Nikki, would you like to take that one? Sorry, I was trying to share the room in the hallway. <laughs> um, that's a tough one. I know a lot of people go back and forth with uh, whether or not they feel like they know what they're doing, um, especially when it comes around the topic of narcissists in the family, a narcissistic parent. Uh, a lot of people don't even want to come to terms that there is such a thing. You birthed me, you conceived me, why would you do this to me, let alone me? Uh, coming to the con the conclusion that you know what you're doing. And I often say a lot of them do. Um, is it attached from some old wounds and, you know, things that they might have gone through and they didn't learn to deal with themselves and therefore because they didn't work on healing themselves, this is how they choose to operate in the world? Yes, I would say that there is a lot of truth to that. 
Um, I'm going to speak from the family dynamic, though. Um, but I think understanding and coming to that conclusion actually helps to free um, a child or a now child to adult to be able to understand what they went through in the family dynamic. If we keep giving excuses and say, oh, no, they didn't know what they're doing, or maybe it's just me, then we won't be able to work towards our own healing and acceptance of what it is. But as far as in romantic partnerships, I'll leave that to Vanessa and Sally. Yeah, I'm definitely going to say, yes, they know what they're doing. And um, they know that they're using you um, to fill a void that they, you know, they, they're really empty shells, narcissists. Um, they look at us as their fuel and they actually mimic us and they definitely know what they're doing. And, um, they look to bring you down like Vanessa was saying, and that's their goal. They love chaos. They love drama. And that's their main goal. Thank you. Hi, I wanted to chat. Yes, welcome to the stage. Yeah, how would you have a question or something you'd like to contribute? Oh yeah, um, I, I wanted to contribute about uh, about narcissists. Uh, I know, like in the family, it wouldn't just be one person, but it would be multiple because uh, you know narcissists and codependents go hand in hand, and I see the patterns in within. But um, I was dating someone that was a narcissist uh and of course i looked at it as normal behavior and so that's why i attracted somebody like that and i like i like you guys said about boundaries i didn't have the boundaries to de deter the person and one time i had a conversation with him and i was like you know i noticed you tend to go after these same girls and is it because you're looking for something and and he said yeah and i go so like when you see these girls that like you think about what you're gonna say to them and, and he's like yeah like he was just like it was a simple math for him like he could he could walk up to uh, a person look at single out a target and then know what he would what he would uh, approach to them about it's a very uh methodical thing do you think that narcissists will change that that they can Oh, I think anybody can change. Um, but I think that narcissists, like, it depends, huh? Because, like, it depends on the person because I think the typical profile is that they don't want to be seen as vulnerable or to have any type of anything wrong with them. And so they wouldn't think with them, right? And there's nothing to fix, right, according to them. But... I, I wonder what it would take, what kind of losses they would have to sustain in order to question whether their their lifestyle is is uh, is something they would change. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else on the stage? Yeah. Let me know. Did, did has your narcissist changed at all, or do you think that they even could? No, not not mine, but I, I feel like maybe people with some narcissistic traits, um, not with with all of them <laughs> that label them as NPD. You know, a lot of the issue is here, just like you said, um, they will not go seek help because they do not feel they have a problem, although they know they do. They know what they're doing. Um, so it's hard to get that diagnosis. But if they 
cover most of those traits of a narcissist, then, you know, like Vanessa says, toxic is toxic. And you know, you know, that it's, that it's enough. So thank you for that. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say one thing, because I always say this because I have a lot of my clients always trying to figure out, am I with a narcissist? Am I with a sociopath? Am I with this? Am I with that? I always tell everyone, if it's toxic, it's toxic. I always ask, is your relationship healthy or toxic? Because if it's toxic, then you need to get out. It's like poison. Are you going to drink the poison knowing that it's going to kill you? It's toxic. So toxic is toxic no matter what and love does not live there and I always say that because I don't want people to try to figure out who they're with what they are trying to get a diagnosis it's very difficult I got the diagnosis through a court but it's very difficult to actually get that diagnosis it's very very I mean I I think that was a gift from God from the heavens because it's very difficult so I don't want people to get so wrapped up in the words but just ask yourself, is your relationship healthy or toxic? And take it from there because it's so important to just to, to know that and to identify with that first. Can I add one more thing, Christina, to that that I think is very important and just of piggyback off of what everyone said already? Um, when it comes to um, can narcissists change? And I know for people that's been in relationships um, with narcissists, because there's such a a weird attachment and a weird bond, especially if it's in a romantic relationship or family dynamic, there's a hope that we want them to change. We don't wanna see them do what they're doing to us. Even though we're the ones that have experienced the abuse, we don't wanna see that happening. So there's this false hope that develops that, hey, if they change, then maybe things will be better in the relationship and it won't be so bad. And what I try to encourage people to do, especially if you're out of the relationship now, you're out of the family dynamic, whether it's low contact or no contact, you're out of the cult or the abusive uh, system where the leader was a narcissist. It's time to focus on you. All the time and the energy and the research that one would take to look up, can they change? Are they able to change? Is it from their childhood trauma? Is it from they being rejected when they were such and such years old? It's so easy to get addicted, to spend so much time trying to figure out how they can be helped, how they can be better. And I'm not saying that, you know, some people are, hey, discard them and leave them alone. That's, that's a society, you know, debate as far as should we discard narcissists or not. But if you've been abused by a narcissist in any capacity and you want to heal, it's time to take that energy and turn it within. Because whether they have traits or the actual disorder, narcissists are very resistant to change because they don't think that there's anything wrong with them. In their mind, in their fantastical mind, they are it, they are everything. There is no issues with them, it's with us in their mind. So a person like that is not open to going to a therapist unless they can, you know, uh, uh, bamboozle the therapist. They're not open to getting better because they feel that they are better. So when you have someone that's resistant like that, it's better to take your energy and put it on you and working on you and finding connection with yourself again so you can live a, a better life after being in relationship with them. And I'll, I'll pause right there. What great advice. Thank you so much for that. I'm wondering what personality traits besides your lack of boundaries did you guys have that narcissists 
used against you. Oh man, I want to just say something real, real quick. Cause what I've been experiencing, um, because I just popped into clubhouse a little over a year ago and just found so many beautiful souls. And that's what it is. Those that have beautiful souls, got everything going for them. Family oriented people, lovers, life lovers. They want to take that because they do not have that. That's my share. Go ahead, Vanessa. I actually was going to say the same thing. Um, just kind, loving, giving people because they actually look at you as what they want to be. And they, they're empty and they have none of that. And when you come from a kind and loving place, you know, that that's, you end up, and there's a lot of us, and I'm sure we've been, and maybe some of us still are, that people pleaser, that person who wants everyone to be happy all the time, go out of their way, stemming from traumas from when, you know, you're younger. Um, I had to dig deep within myself and figure out, everyone kept saying family, family. I'm like, my family wasn't bad, but I was bullied when I was little. And I always had a strong dislike for bullying as I got older. And I think that's where my people pleasing always came in because I wanted everyone to be happy. So that's another thing because once you, you know, you want everyone to be happy, you're not gonna cause, you know, you're not gonna stand up for yourself. You're not gonna say things. You're not gonna wanna have conflict. And when you bring up anything to someone who's toxic or a narcissist, it's a fight. It's always a fight. It's always going to be a fight. They're going to shut you down. They're going to they're going to make you feel like you're wrong and you're saying the wrong thing. And how could you think that? And you're such a horrible person. And at the end of the day, you should be able to have a conversation with someone about how you feel and they should respect it. They don't have to, you know, agree with what you're saying, but respect how you feel and talk it out. So, you know, what Sally said is, is true. They, they look for those people who are kind and empathetic and compassionate and, you know, they they want people to be happy and sometimes they'll just take things because they don't want to cause like you know they don't want to cause any you know conflict i'll jump in yeah i'll start oh yeah go ahead Nikki. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. oh okay um i was gonna say the things that both sally and vanessa said but they said that one so i'll link uh what happened with the family and how i got kind of swept in the religious cults with this um being the fact that i was raised in a narcissistic family I was programmed to want to, I mean, most kids want to please their parents. So there's a normalcy to that, but it was uh, beyond normal and dysfunctional to want to always please my parent, my narc parent, because it was a survival mode mechanism for me. I wasn't conscious of that, but I was trying to survive. And so that programming was already built in me. So when I went and found NARC, uh, connected with NARC people, friendships and things like that, and then was in um, different cults, the wanting to be validated because my, my NARC mother, I didn't get that in my family dynamic. I wanted that desire to be validated. I wanted community and I wanted someone to guide my life to tell me who I was. I wanted someone to help me make decisions because I was very indecisive because I experienced so much cognitive dissonance while I was in my family. So if I could find a guru, if I could find a leader, if I could find someone in, in a spiritual community that seems very wise and seems very knowledgeable and mystical or what have you, and they could speak right into my life I gravitated to that because I was not ready at that point in my life to take responsibility for myself. I was so disconnected from Nikki. 
I'd rather go external and look for someone to tell Nikki what to do. So I was very susceptible to uh, different narcissistic, narcissistic people because of that. That is a perfect segue to that question I was going to be asking. And that is, I was going to flip the coin and say, you know, you're with a narcissist. So what were your unmet emotional needs that the narcissist was be able to feel that made you like overlook all that bad and the ugly in them and only see the good in them? Because obviously, you know, when the relationship, it's a two way street, we're getting something out of it too. So um, where, what were your own personal red flags, those unmet emotional needs that the narcissist was be able to feel just like Nikki, um, already shared. Does, um, Danny, anybody else on stage have their own personal things that they, they could share? Well, I'll start. Definitely. Um, I was ready to, you know, get out of our small town and he was like, um, ready to do the same and able to, um, he had his own apartment at that time. And, um, I had always wanted to start a family and, you know, I was raised by my mom. She raised us four girls and she had bad relationships and, you know, with a narcissist at the beginning, um, they will love bomb you make, they will be your knight in shining armor. And he was, I remember he used to write poems. He would leave work because he said he would miss me. Granted, he was just at a window factory because we were young. Um, but he would leave work and that was just like, but there was a feeling with that, right? It was a feeling of, you felt it wasn't right in your stomach. It was, oh, adrenaline. Maybe it was that crazy love. Um, but yeah, I really feel like he just filled all the voids that I had as, you know, wanting as a woman that, you know, at a young, as a young girl to see in my family, I feel now looking back. Um, so that was my share with that. Thank you. I actually, Sally, you said something that's very, um, very important. You said that adrenaline rush. And I've noticed that toxic people, especially in relationships, like that love bombing and that making that adrenaline rush is, is not, it, it, it takes over because they're so, you know, they lay it on so thick and so heavy. And that's why I always say like, when you meet people, if they first meet you, they can't love you. They don't know you. So if, you know, if people are saying, oh, I love you two weeks into meeting you, well, how, what do they love about you? Like, that's, that's a question I actually would ask people. Well, what do you love? Because you, they can think you're a great person or you were so nice, but you can't get to a place of love and, and rush that. And that adrenaline rush, I always talked about um, a feeling. And, you know, you said that and it just clicked in my mind. Like the adrenaline rush is definitely something that's kind of, it, it is a red flag because it, you get to a point where you're just so over, you know, overfilled with all of this emotion because someone's pouring so much into you. And it's kind of like you get lost in it and you don't step back and say, you know, ask yourself questions and, and really like, you know, identify with what's actually going on. And that's the love bombing stage. That stage is what sets the whole entire stage for them. Because once they get you there and they get you in their grip and they, like, all right, I got them. 
then it turns into everything else. Then you see the, you know, tearing you down and degrading you. And, you know, they want to bring you off where you are, off your pedestal. So I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Sally, because that, that adrenaline rush is, me personally, from what I've experienced, I think that really is a red flag. And again, I'd like to welcome people to uh, raise their hand if they have any questions for our speakers, our moderators today, and share the room so others can learn from these wonderful ladies. Um, and it brings me to my next question, which is, what beliefs did you have that made you blind to what was happening in the relationship? Because I feel like some people need to to realize this, to have come to this understanding? Did you write it off because, you know, some of the bad stuff because maybe you thought, oh, they love me or, or I, I this would never happen to me. I could identify something that was bad that was happening. Did you have any beliefs that, that, that stopped you, you know, that from, from really seeing the truth in the person in front of you? Yeah, if I may, um, you know, like growing up, I saw from example, of uh, that you know women are usually the ones to be accommodating and it's cultural right I mean, and then also another thing was um having this idea that something that um like always being in this mode of having to to correct things or to to make things right and you're always looking being hyper vigilant about you know what what did i do wrong right um and I think, I think that's put a lot on um, from, a, from an early age so that you're always searching for something to fix, even though, you know, there might not be anything. And it makes it easy for the, for the person who is, you know, in that position to take advantage of that. And then, uh, what was the things that you feel? I mean, even if you grew up in a, um, in a culture, like I'm an indigenous culture in in Hawaii, I'm Hawaiian, and if you're raised to think that you are less than, than the status quo, then you are automatically thinking that you need to fix something, and you're you're constantly looking at what's wrong with me. So that that kind of can can set someone up for a relationship like that. Oh, go ahead. No, Sarah. go ahead, Nikki. I'll I'll go after you. Okay. Um, I know everyone that has experienced relationships with narcissists romantically, that doesn't mean that they came from a narcissistic family. Although I find that sometimes some people who, once they start unpacking what happened to them in romantic relationships, they start to realize like, wait a minute, this is very familiar to my upbringing and my family, I need to look at this. And the reason why I'm saying that part is to point that sometimes the messages that we got and received when we were in our family. And since this is about parenting, it's so important what we um, what we, we put into our children, so to speak. Um, it's very important that we help our kids to understand who they are and allow them to individuate, allow them to understand about boundaries, that even though they are our children, they don't fully belong to us. So, you know, they're here for their own purpose. They're here for their own gift and their own life path. And as parents, 
we are often uh, challenged to make sure that we remember that, that we don't look at our children to be extensions of ourselves and to meet our needs and the things we never experienced as a child. So we put that on our children because then we start to program them with messages that they need to always serve authority, even if it goes against how they feel on the inside, their intuition, their needs, their desires, their wants. And then when they become adults, they gravitate, like uh, my sister just shared, they, they gravitate to relationships where, okay, this is very familiar. I used to help fix my mom emotionally when she was going through. So let me help fix my partner or my boss or my friend. And then, you know, like for me, the role I had in my narc family was the scapegoat role. And that is a role where everybody throws the blame on that child. They're the shame holder in the family. They're the ones to fix everything and to balance the scales emotionally in the family. And if you're not aware of that, you can copy and paste that role in friendships, in job opportunities, in business, and especially romantic relationships. So as parents, whether someone's a narcissist or not, or toxic or not, if we have a desire to see our kids soar when they mature and become older, let's be conscious of how we help them to be them and to individuate themselves. And I'll pause right there. Oh, I love that, Nikki. Yes, so true. And I just wanted to add on um, what made me stay and what I over the reason I overlooked things, the warning signs is because I took my vow seriously. And I believe I stayed in a marriage longer than I should have because of what I was taught, what I believed with the Bible. And I was doing all the right things. I was praying. I was, I was like, this can, I, we can save this. And it was really before I realized that a person you know, can't change. Sometimes they can't change, especially if they don't feel they have a problem. So I feel in my case, um, what I believed growing up and what I believed in marriage, you know, I, I did not want to have a, a failed marriage the way I viewed it. So thank you for letting me share that. Yeah, I'm saying as a child, I'm, I'm echoing that as, uh, as well. Like my mom, probably stayed a lot longer with my dad than she should have. And it, it made it seem like it was the thing to do, the right thing to do. Um, and, and I also, also wanted to add on to like, uh, how we talk to our, our boys and girls, like somebody I remember was listening to a, um, interview and they were saying like how, uh, they saw how differently boys get talked to than girls like boys will say like oh you explore that yeah like you built that and then girls it's like oh to be good it's like be a good girl or be be quiet and be nice and and we apply those skills in these narcissistic relationships really well like we don't tell people what we're going through we we just smile and make sure that everything looks you know okay because we're we're supposedly fixing things right <laughs> Now let's say, okay, I identified that I'm dealing with a narcissist and maybe it's even my co-parent. At that point, how do I handle co-parenting with them? Because I got to imagine it's going to be very, very difficult. 
Do you have any suggestions for people who are in that situation? Any tips? I actually have a lot of clients that come to me when I got divorced, my daughter was three years old and I had no, I, I, I had no idea that how am I going to, you know, go through this and what's the plan. And the one thing I always tell everyone, you need to be consistent and be the parent that you are. You know, it's very difficult when your children ask you something and you say no, and then they go to the other parent and it's, it's Disneyland at that house because they're there maybe for, you know, <clears throat> you know, every other weekend, they, you know, they're there. But majority of the time when they're with you, there's structure, there's planning, there's, you know, you have a schedule, there's chores. And it's always fun on the other end. So when they come home and I, you know, I always, I went through it when they come home, you know, my daughter wanted this doll. And I said to her, absolutely not. We're not getting things to just get them. I said, maybe for Christmas, Santa will bring it or your birthday. And she went to her father's that weekend. He bought her the doll. And when she walked through the door, she said to me, oh, look, I got my Jessie doll. And she was like all excited. And my heart sank. And I remember that feeling because it was my, it was my moment to stand strong and not give in and, and change the way I was being. And I said to her, I said, well, I said, if that's, you know, what goes, if that's, you know, your father wanted to get that, that's fine. But here, you know, we have, we have to wait for things. We have to, you know. You don't just get things to get them and I'm not going to go and buy you things because, you know, you, you have to understand like the value of a dollar and, and, and get things, you know, either for a good report card or for a holiday, but consistency is key. So love consistent, always be there, be honest and open, share things with your, with your children. If you know, if they come to you, you want to build that relationship that they know that they can go when they have to go to a parent they know that they can come to you because you've always been consistent and it's the hardest thing to do. But I always say, if you tell your children, no, the first time, make sure by the hundredth time they ask you, it's still no. And it's so hard to not cave because you feel like, Oh, do they think I don't love them? You know, do they think that like, you know, the other parent loves them more, but in the beginning, they won't see the importance of the structure and the consistency and the love and the honesty and that, that anchor that they have with you. But as they get older, and when I say older, I don't mean in their 20s, I'm talking about like, oh, I'm saying like 11, 12, 13, like into their teens, you know, they'll, they'll recognize this is my safe place. And, you know, not bad mouthing the other parent, because guess what? The truth's gonna come out. The kids see it. They see it better than we see it. And they, you know, my daughter would always come home and say, oh, my father's a liar. And I'm like, well, what happened? They see it. And they know, they know where their safe place is. They know where consistency is. They know where love is and children will see it. But you have to, you know, you have to always be true to yourself and be you and don't change because you think that your children aren't going to love you because you, you know, you might be a little tougher. You might have more rules. You might have more structure in your house. They need that. So, you know, I always tell people to make sure if you're dealing with another parent like that, don't fall into the trap of, oh my God, I'm going to do that too. Oh my God, I'm going to run out and I'm going to get that. And I'm going to, it's not, it's not a game. It's not who's going to win because at the end of the day, your children need that structure. They need the guidance. They need the love. They need the support and they will know where it's coming from as long as you're always consistent with it. Vanessa, I have a question for you to add on with that. Um, so what do you do if the narcissist is 
turning the kids against you or trying to, you know, maybe they're talking badly and that could be a co-parent. It could be a grandparent, you know, it could be anybody in the family, but if they're trying to turn your, your own kids against you, do you have any tips for that? Again, it's, it's being consistent because when people, and, and this is, I've had this happen with a lot of my clients. When the other parents bad mouthing the mother or father, that's not toxic or narcissistic. If a parent shows up every single time the same way, your children will see that what the other parent is saying isn't true. If you give in and you allow the other parent to you know, piss you off and start screaming and yelling and telling your kid, oh, he's, they're a liar. You're actually giving the other parent the ammunition to have your children say, oh, wow, you know what? My mom, my dad, like, they're right. Like she gets crazy. She's, you know, because don't forget the narcissist knows your patterns. The narcissist knows how to press your buttons. They know how to get the reaction they want out of you. And until you stop that, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be the ongoing battle, but your children will look to see how you react to things. They will look to see, you know, is, is my mom or dad going to respond in that manner? You know, like my daughter would say to me, when my daughter said to me once, my father's a liar, she actually asked me a question and she said, when I was a baby, did I lie? Did I cry a lot? And my daughter was the happiest baby ever. I think maybe she cried once. Like I, you know, that was more than, you know, like a lot. And I was like, no, why? I'm like, why would you ask me that? And she's like, my father's such a liar. He said, I used to cry all the time and I was up all night. And, and she went into this whole big story. And I said to her, well, I said, you know, I said, sometimes we have different, you know, we see things differently. Everyone sees things differently. You know, I didn't go and say, yeah, you're right. Your father's a liar. I can't believe you said that. You, you, you have to let the children see because the children will come up with their own, you know, their own um, view on how you are. But if you react to what's happening, you're really like not, you're, you're not shining like you are. And that's why if you always stay calm and think about what you say when you're explaining things to your children, when the other parent says things, because the kids will come home and say, mommy or daddy said this about you. You know, the way you handle your response is a very, very important thing. Because the words you use and the way you approach it will show your child who you really are. And again, as they get older, they will see. Children are very smart. They, they really pick up on a lot of things that us as adults sometimes overlook. Um, so I always say to everyone, make sure you're consistent. If you lead with love and kindness, lead with love and kindness always. Don't allow that other parent and the toxicity that they hold to allow you to change how you would respond to someone or how you would be because the only person who's going to you know who's going to be affected and, and affected in a bad way is the children and I add, I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I thought you were finished Vanessa I just want to like just basically continue what you're saying and everything you're saying is so spot on but just um as human beings we want attunement we want connection we want attachment and what vanessa is saying is so key because if the other parent is not attaching to them or not or it's a disordered type of attachment or anxious attachment to your children when they come back home to you when you regulate 
with them, their nervous system. And you do that by attuning to them. And you're saying, okay, Nikki, what is attuning? You're looking them in the eye, especially if they're young children. You're reminding them, like she said, what safety feels like, what love feels like. Because what you're doing neurologically is you're building vocabulary within their system. You're teaching their nervous system to know what safety feels like. Whereas when they go to the other parent, they're going to know what chaos feels like. They're going to know what fear and anxiety and uh, neglect feels like. So when they come home to you, you create a space where they'll understand love and attunement and safety and what it feels like to be safe. Because even as adults, when we come out of these relationships, we have to relearn what safety feels like. After abuse, safety is like your number one need as an adult but even so much more for children. So yeah, it's not like you pull out uh, um, an anatomy book or you explain to them neuroscience and things of that nature, you model it for them. You start to learn about attachment styles because children learn about attachment, obviously in those developmental years and how they connect with others when they become adults is very indicative to what happened when they were children. So yes, it's a chaotic situation. Yes, it may feel like a mess. Yes, you feel like you may not have control over what the narc parent says and does, but power of love, the power of safety, the power of peace, in my opinion, is far greater than the, the chaos and the fear and the instability that the, the narcissist parent gives you know, the children. You can counteract that. You build a vocabulary system within your children. And like Vanessa said, when they get older, they know who to come to to find rest. They know who to come to to find peace and safety. And it's going to be with you. So that is where your power lies. Don't feel like you have no power. It may feel like that, but you have power in that way. And I'm done. Oh, I just have one more thing to add. I love that so much and so true. And I just have to say what really I feel helped me because the hardest pill to swallow is that he never loved me and that it was basically a facade that took so long to get used to. And they can erase a narcissist just can move on like, like I never happened. 20 years of marriage never happened. So what I did is I left up all the pictures in the house of all of us together. We were married. This did happen. My kids are part him and part me. All those memories are mine too. And so I keep that normalcy here. I don't know what they're getting with him um, and his new supply. And um, I don't, and it doesn't phase me. I really, it, I know that here we existed I did the best I could. We did the best we could as a family and keep it as normal as possible. Thank you for that question. Oh, mine's is like a more, well, not, I'm not the one who had a kid, but my sister, um, she was separated or divorced from her ex. And I would say something I learned from that was put everything in writing and have things like planned out because they will try and push boundaries. Like I remember the dad would show up to pick up the kids when it was his turn and he wouldn't even have car seats in his car or he would take them to his house and then find out later from the kids he didn't even have his electricity and water situation right and they were uh, um, you know showering cold water or they didn't have electricity so I would say like have those things outlined in some kind of agreement um, 
I guess when you negotiate that with your uh, your advocate or lawyer or whoever, um, and have have them sub have it something that you know that the, that both of you can refer to and you can hold them to it as much as they hate it. <laughs> Whether this narcissist is your parent or your spouse or your ex or whoever it is, healing from the narcissistic abuse is just plain difficult. And there's no way that you're going to be the most impactful parent that you can until you do the healing. So um, I want to end with these tips to how do we begin to heal from our narcissistic abuse, no matter who it came from. Um, how how did we get a how did you get away from the situation? And anything that you can um, give advice and tips to people who are listening, who might be in that difficult situation and just looking for ways to to figure out how to save themselves. I just, I have two things to say very quickly. One, the one thing that really allowed me to move on is to realize, and Sally actually just mentioned it. Once I was able to grasp the fact that he never loved me, they don't, you know, they don't have the capacity to love. They're not compassionate. They don't have empathy. Once I really was able to accept that, it gave me the, it gave me the rite of passage to heal because that I kept asking why. So many people keep saying, why did this happen? What did I do? Why didn't he love me like this? Or she loved me like this? You know, was I not you know, smart enough? Was I not good looking enough? Was I not, you know, a good wife or husband, boyfriend, sister, mother? You know, no, none of that has anything to do with you. They can't love. And once, and it's a hard pill to swallow for everyone. So when I, when I say this, I say it with love and kindness, because I, I know it's hard like to tell somebody, well, you're, you know, if your mom's a narcissist, you know, she doesn't love you. She doesn't, isn't capable of love. And that's a hard thing to tell somebody. So I feel like that is something that I always try to bring up because that is the why to a lot of people's questions. Like, why do they treat me this way? Why, you know? Was I not good enough? Was, you know, why did they do this? Why didn't they love me? Why didn't, you know, maybe I should have did this. Maybe I should have did that. It doesn't matter what you would have done. It was, you were never going to get that from them because they weren't capable of giving it to you. Um, and I just, I wanted, Christina, I just wanted to um, let everyone here know, like self-care is so important. Um, and we put together, um, this Sunday, we're going to have a self-care um, <clears throat> room. And if you follow us on Instagram, we have, um, you know, it's posted there. You can register for it as well. It's free, but it's it's a great thing. It's for people. Um, we're not really going to go into the whole narcissistic abuse, um, you know, realm, but it's for people who have come out of toxic relationships, narcissistic abuse, and how, you know, the importance of self-care and um, different ways that you can you know, what you can do to get yourself to a good place and, and, and heal um, during your journey. I just wanted to mention that because I know it could help so many people um, just in general with the self-care along any healing journey. Um, and I wanted to make it available to people. So if, you, if you're interested in or know anybody who's interested in it, please reach out to Sally, Nikki, or myself um, because we'll be hosting that this Sunday from um, 11 a.m. Eastern to 7.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. 
Thank you. Yeah, I just want to mention one exercise that really helped my uh, self-care, self-love process, the healing, get some alone time and really process what was going on in my head. You got it away from the toxic, whether it's if you can take an hour a day, if you're stuck with that person and maybe they go to work and maybe you have an hour or 15 minutes, you need that fog to lift a little bit. It's a narcissistic fog that they keep you in because they don't want you to realize what's going on. That's the last thing they want you to do is to realize what they're really doing. So take that alone time, maybe even write down what's in your head, maybe the negative things that you're saying about yourself and get those out of your head. And then, you know, eventually replace those with the truth because a lot of the times it's lies that have built up in our heads. We don't even know what we're saying about ourselves. We get those out, acknowledge them and put the truth in there. Mine were all about being lovable. Like I'm not lovable. You know, nobody loves me. I know those are lies, but I didn't realize that was all bouncing around in my head just to get some clarity. That's a wonderful exercise to start with. Thank you. Um, yeah, just, to add to what uh, Vanessa and Sally shared, understand this is not your fault. Even if there are childhood cycles or blah, 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 all that I shared and we shared earlier, this is not your fault. No one signs up to say, hey, I like this guy. I like this woman. He come abuse me. We don't want that. We want love. We're looking for a relationship. We're looking for connection. That's a human basic need. And so understand that's what you were seeking. You were not seeking the toxicity. You were not seeking to be abused by the narcissist. And I know that seems like, well, hello. Yeah, that's obvious. But sometimes we need to hear it because the shame and the guilt and the lies and the, the distortion of reality from the narcissist will sometimes leave you feeling like you deserve this. You asked for this, that this was part of your life's purpose. No, it wasn't. You wanted to be free. You wanted to be in love. You wanted to connect. You wanted to go to a particular community and find connection and friendships. Or if it was in a religious community, you wanted to, you know, learn something spiritual. And that that is a that's a need that you should not feel ashamed for. But when it comes to trying to heal, understand that it's going to take time. I know sometimes people want to hurry up and get it over with. We're like, it's a year later and I'm still dealing with this. Be kind to yourself. It's going to take time. The reason why is because you have experienced injury and abuse. Narcissism is a form of domestic violence. Your psyche was abused. And so if you got unfortunately hit by, uh, you know, in the leg or shot in the leg, you would know to go to the hospital to first possibly get the bullet out and have surgery. Um, but then you might have to have some rehab. You might have to stay in the hospital for a little bit. And we can give ourselves times for our physical wounds. But when it comes to, to the psychological wounds, the emotional wounds, the wounds of the soul, we, you know, if we don't see it, then we just want to move through it fast. Give yourself time. You've been through hell. There is opportunity to fly again, to soar again. But be patient with yourself. Take that clock that says you should be I should be healed in a year. Turn that over. Give yourself grace to understand that you were injured and it's you're in rehab now. And a lot of that rehab looks like 
educating yourself about narcissism, coming to rooms like, like Christina hosted today. And we're so grateful that she put this together. Um, connecting with a coach or a therapist that can actually help you, like Sally was saying, write down these things, write down these messages. Sometimes the narc messed us up so much, we don't even know where to start. Connect with a therapist, connect with the coach who's been there, who understands, who can help you unravel all of the programming and start to help you to sift through it to say, this is what you were taught, but this is not who you are. And this is what you believe now. Let's separate it. It takes time, but it's possible. There is life after narcissism. You can go on to healthy relationships. You can find love again, right, Sally, Vanessa? Um, you can be happy again. I mean, you still will be in a healing journey. I am still healing. After being in multiple cults in a narcissistic family, I already know I'm going to be continuing healing. But that's okay because healing is not a moment. It's not a particular time. It's an evolution. And as human beings, we should be evolving and growing day by day. Be kind to yourself. Connect with someone that can help walk you through it until you're able to fly on your own and do some of these things on your own. And, you know, at the end of the day, it may feel like, oh, that's a lot, Nikki, that's a lot. But guess what can happen if you actually do the work, if you don't push it away and say, oh, I don't want to deal with that fact that my mom might be a narc. I don't want to deal with the fact that I dated someone narcissistic. No, no, no. They're toxic, but I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to see it. I'm just going to go on my life and ignore it. What's on the other side, if you do the work, if you face yourself, if you face certain patterns and certain maladaptive coping mechanisms that we develop because of these relationships, if you do the work, you can become a version of yourself that you never imagined. You can be connected with yourself in a way that you never have before. You can actually touch your purpose while you're on this planet in a greater way that you never had before. Healing is not all dreary and hard work and tears and ugh. It's beauty. It's I get an opportunity to love people, to be loved by people like Sally and Vanessa are my friends. I never thought in a million years I would connect with other people, healthy people. But that is the hope that's on the other side of healing when you come out of narcissistic relationships. So as you can see, I could talk about this forever, but I'll just give you that and pass the mic back to Christina. Just Can I just add something, Christina, to what Nikki said? Because I just, you know. Yes, yes, yes. So many people always say, like, how do I get back to who I was? And I, I just want to say this because I hear it so often. And I tell people. Your core never changes, but you will never go back to who you were. Meaning every day is a gift and we're given the opportunity to be a better version of ourselves. And the things that we've been through make, you know, they make us stronger getting through it. It opens our eyes to different things. We see the world and, and, and life in a different way. And, you know, having that opportunity every day to become a better version of yourself and, and, and use those days to become what you're gonna become. Like Nikki said, you're, there's things that you could become that you don't even realize. So I just, I, I wanted to just let people know, like don't get so stuck trying to get back to where you were before because you're moving forward. We're going ahead. And like Nikki said, be kind to yourself, you know, give yourself grace, be patient. And it's your time. You know, when people say, get over it, oh, aren't you over it yet? Are you? 
I, I just, it makes me cringe because, you know, you will get over it when you're ready to get over it and you'll know when it happened. So I just wanted to add that because I think it's, it's adds to that and it's, it's super, super important for people to be on their journey. This has been a beautiful hour and uh, bottom line is, you know, you're the conflicting and confusing thoughts and feelings that you're having. If you're dealing with this, it's normal that you are not alone in your struggle. I am so grateful to these ladies that are here with me today. So to end, I'd like for them to tell us uh, where can we find you for more if we would like to connect with you, if you have anything that you do that helps people who are dealing with narcissists and any resources that you might have that you could share with the audience so that we can uh, go to what's after this, what's the next step. We'll start with Sally and then we'll go to Nikki and then Vanessa. Oh, yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Christina. I am here in Clubhouse. Follow my club, Sally Shares Safe Space. I host regular rooms, uh, a women's group on Tuesdays, and then a self-love room on on Thursdays. And um, also, you can find me on Instagram. My link tree is full. You can link to my website. Um, we could get on a call. Um, anything. Just back channel me, DM me, and I'd be glad to um, help you. Thank you so much for this, Christina. Um, okay, so uh, I host a club here um, on Clubhouse called Spiritual Abuse and Cults. And uh, you'll see it on my profile if that's something that interests you because um, my life path has brought me to all three. Uh, narcissism as well. So we talk about narcissism, we talk about power dynamics, we talk about cults, we talk about spiritual abuse and things of that nature. And uh, that's something you can check me out. We've been on a hiatus, but we're gearing back up for April. So look out for that. You can follow the club for more information. Uh, feel free to DM me here um, on Clubhouse. And my Instagram is on my profile page as well. Nikki underscore G underscore speaks um, for Instagram and you can um, check me out there. My uh, website is still in, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I'm reviving my website right now. So uh, the best way to get in contact with me is through Instagram and Clubhouse for now. But I do, uh, I am taking clients. We do one-on-one -on -one, uh, client work. Um, I have a seven-week program to help. It's customized program to help people work through a lot of their narcissistic uh, patterns that they might have learned in the family dynamic, how to deal with the removal of the imprint uh, from a narcissistic family, um, the cycles, the patterns to recognize them, to understand the roles and responsibilities that were given to you energetically by your narc parent to understand flying monkeys and how they participate in enabling and empowering the narc uh, to abuse you in your life. So all that information, um, check me out and uh, we can work something out to see how we can work together. Um, and then I host rooms with these beautiful ladies, Vanessa and Sally on Clubhouse as well. So like Vanessa said, Sunday, all day summit, it's for men and women. And it's basically to focus on you. We're not going to go into all the, the things that we talked about today about narcissists. We're going to turn our gaze from the narcissist to how we can empower ourselves, how we can grow and heal and move forward. And um, I'm done speaking. 
I want to thank you ladies again for coming together and doing this room. Christina, thank you for inviting us. Um, you know, getting this out there and educating people is, I think, the most important thing we could possibly do to, um, you know, let people know this is what you were in and there's people who've gone through it and creating communities like this is, I think, amazing and it's a great tool for pe to help people heal. Um, like I said, I'm a certified life coach and relationship coach. I do um, specialize in toxic and narcissistic abuse. Um, you can find me on Instagram under the life path 22. Um, I have, if you follow me there, you'll see all our clubhouse um, rooms that we do. I run a club called Narcissistic Abuse Group. Um, it's, in, it's also in my um, bio here as well as my Instagram. I have a link tree in my Instagram. You can reach out to me. Um, I work with clients. I do one-on-one. -on -one. I do group. Um, you know, and you know, a session. My first session is always complimentary because I want to make sure we can work together and that we're a good fit. Um, because that's the most important thing when people are going through healing from trauma. It needs to be a good fit, and they need to feel comfortable with where they are and where they land. So um, definitely reach out to me if you have any questions. Um, you know, I, I also specialize in co-parenting because I went through it. I also help my clients um, come up with plans as they're going through divorce or separations or even, um, you know, if they have a partner that they weren't married to, anything to do with the courts, um, just to keep a clear head and a clear mind as, as you're going through that. So um, please reach out to me. I'd love to help you in any way and share all my experiences and, and share everything I've learned and help you get through your journey as well. So um, I did post in the chat uh, Sunday's um, <clears throat> self-care Sunday, um, the link to it. So it's also on our Instagram. So please follow us on Instagram because that's where we post a lot of our stuff for um, Clubhouse. And with that being said, thank you guys again. Thank you everyone that came tonight for your support in the room. Um, and I just wish everyone an amazing you know, journey in their life and, and know that you're not alone, that you do have someone that you can turn to. And if you would like uh, more from me, I'm Christina Campos, I'm founder of The Impeccable Parent. Um, my app is above. The app is like carrying a parenting coach in your pocket. Um, again, I specialize in, in older children. So uh, between the ages of six and 16, typically, but six to 18. Um, and inside the app, it's absolutely free. Um, you know, I put parent education videos in there. My philosophy in parenting is that as your child grows, your parenting needs to change because your child is going to change. And once you think you've got things all figured out, your child becomes an adolescent and the game changes again. So as a, um, to be an impactful parent, we're continuous learners. And so in this uh, app, you find lots of parent education videos, all, most of them really very, very short, like 15 minutes, so it's a car ride, um, where you can get a tidbit or some advice on what might be happening in your household, whether it's, hey, my kid's talking back to me and I don't know what to do about it, or I think my child's addicted to Minecraft and I don't know how to get him off the video game, um, anything like that. There's so many videos, over 100 in there and growing every single week. So if uh, you're interested in getting more from me, please download that app and you can always reach out. Make sure you tap on all of us and follow us here. And then thank you to the mom link for hosting our room today.
because that's important too. So thank you so much. Um, thank you guys. I think that's about it. I'm just, I'm so thrilled to have all of you guys today and please let's do it again. Uh, give us your feedback, follow us, and hopefully we will all hear from you soon. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.